0: All right, well, let's open up our Bibles once again to the book of Philippians, to the book of Philippians. If you are a first-time guest with us, my name's Rob Wilton. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and I wanna welcome you, especially if you're a first-time guest with us. Can we thank God for our first-time guests in the house? We are so, so thankful that you are here. So we've been in a series uh, called Joyride as we consider Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And uh, by way of context, just catching you up. If you're a first time guest with us, we're about four or five sermons in. Last week, Pastor Ben gave us a great message as we considered some beautiful things about how the gospel, right, leads us to serve. Why do we serve? Because he first served us and he became obedient to the point of death on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, any Jesus fans in the house? Y'all love Jesus. We love Jesus. We're so thankful for Jesus. And so we're going to continue now as we look in Philippians chapter three, verse seven through eight. Now, um, on all your seats, you're gonna find one of these. These are our connect cards, and I really wanna encourage you. Yes, it's important for us to sit in rows, but it's also important for us to sit in circles, okay? And whether that circle is one of our V groups that we would love for you to take a next step and join one of our V groups that meet during the week, or maybe you just grab a friend at work, or a neighbor, or some other believer, or somebody that you know, and man, you say, hey, I'd like to just kind of unpack Pastor Rob's message, and we always provide kind of a next step, deeper dive with a discussion guide and everything, you'll find those all on our vintage links. But I really wanna encourage you, take some notes. We've given you a notes portion back here in just a few moments. Man, the Lord puts some upon your heart. You can share with us prayer requests and praise reports. If you're first-time guest, you can let us know, today I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Anybody wanna believe that that's possible today? Yes, man, salvation is here. And so just know our Connect card is here for you. And at the end, we're gonna collect these as we also collect our offering. Okay, let's jump in. Our word today is this, he exceeds. Everybody say, he exceeds. I don't believe you. Come on, loud and proud. Remember, cheesy smile. I know, we're talking joy. Joy's deep, deep down in our heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Some of y'all who grew up in church, y'all know that song. But look, I'll tell you, like, We're going to practice still the external as much as joy is internal. So come on, cheesy smile on. We're going to say it loud. Everybody say, he exceeds. exceeds. Come on, let's go. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 8 says this. Uh, Paul says, but whatever gain I had. (laughs) And we're going to learn this dude had a lot. He had earned a lot. I mean, he was a who's who in the world. But whatever gain I had. Anybody notice the past there? Something's in the past. I counted as loss. Everybody say loss. Loss Loss for who? For the sake of Christ. And I love, this is preacher talk right here. If Pastor Paul was here, I'm just gonna let you know, I'd be sitting on the front row, I'd say, here's the mic. Right? He goes, indeed, indeed. I count everything as loss because of the, and so if you take notes and you underline your Bible or you wanna write down, write down these two words here, because of the surpassing worth, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, for whose sake? His I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. (laughs) Rubbish. Josh and Anna Stevens just got back from England. Don't y'all feel like that's an England word there? Rubbish. Everybody say rubbish with a British accent. Rubbish, right? Rubbish. I count as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ in order that I may gain Christ. This is the word of the Lord. One of my former seminary professors, mentors, friends, said that this text, Philippians chapter three, is the essence of Pauline theology. This is the essence of it. This is the man, what we just pray about, who went from terrorist to evangelist. Thank you, God, for your grace. And at the core, Paul in Philippians chapter three, I'm just telling you, I've preached this text probably 50-something times, so y'all just get comfortable. This is one of my favorites. In this text, we, we find the essence of Grace. And we find the essence of what it means to be obsessed, to be wrapped up in the incredible privilege and pleasure of Christ above all things. And guys, we all need this word because the moment we watch our favorite football team this afternoon, commercials are gonna sell you that there's other things that are worth more. And so we as the church need to be reminded here that Christ is above all. And nothing comes close. Paul says, the closest you get to the value of Christ is rubbish. I want to know Christ. I want Christ. You see... This is a message to the church in Philippi, to a people believing that through their confidence in the flesh, through their confidence in the things of this world, they believe that their works can overcome the enemy. They believe that their um, identity in regards to the success that they might attain in this world, might overcome their sin and ultimately give them access to God. May I submit to us here, church, in a very religious city where you find a whole bunch of people trying to earn their way to God. Jesus has declared he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one can come to the Father except through him. There is nothing and no one greater than Jesus. All right, y'all ready to dive in? As we've done, we kind of lock in on two verses and then we cover. Poor Ben had to cover all of chapter two last week. I'm gonna cover pretty much chapter three this week. Y'all ready? Let's go back to verse one. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. Philippians chapter three, verse one. Paul says this. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but how many chapters are there in Philippians? four, <laughs> and beginning chapter three, what does he say, what's that first word? Finally, have I ever told y'all, hey, just one more point, I promise it's only gonna take a few minutes. This is a real preacher right here. Finally, y'all know y'all are still sitting for another hour, right? I mean, this is real preacher problems, right? Just, just one more thing, you're like, oh gosh, here we go. Pastor Rob hadn't even gone through his intro yet, we're gonna stay here all day, right? So Paul here says, finally, I love it, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says something that I love. He says, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Okay, so Paul here is wrapping up his letter for two chapters, okay, finally, right? And, and so, I love this, as you look there, what does he say after finally? Finally, my brothers, or my brethren. He is thinking about his brothers and sisters in the faith, right here. And don't you love that he's writing not to some sort of neutral, maybe somebody will catch this. No, remember, he's thinking about Paffy, Right? He's thinking about Epaphras. And and this is what he's leaning into. And he's thinking about the stories. He's considering Lydia. He's considering all the different people that were in his life as he planted a church in. Philippi, remember he was on that missionary journey. He was the founding pastor of that church, and he was able to launch that church and stay there and kind of run for his life out the door, right? So it was temporary, but these were people he loved. Don't you love that? Finally, my brethren, finally, my brothers, this term of love and affection. Um, and then he what does he say? He says, Rejoice in the Lord. Have y'all heard that a few times? Do you know when you go and you look at it, Paul actually talks about rejoicing uh, seven times in the book of Philippians? Seven times. Um, Now, listen, seven times in Philippians, Paul says, rejoice. Do you know as a pastor, let's make it a little more real. As a parent, um, you have to repeat stuff a lot. I get reminded all the time as a pastor that like, By the time I'm sick and tired of saying something, it's actually most likely the first time someone's actually getting it. Parents, can I get a witness? Bolt, pick up your clothes. 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 On the seventh, he picks up his clothes. Not Bolt, Burke, I mean. And so repeating an important... Would y'all say that Paul's trying to drive home something important here if he repeats it seven times? Rejoice in the Lord. And I love that because we know the essence of the book of Philippians. This is a book that talks about the joy ride, that talks about the joy that we have in Christ. And remember where Paul's writing this? He's writing from prison, right? Well, how in the world does Paul have joy in prison? It's because Paul has joy in Christ. It's not about the external. He's locked in on Jesus in the storm. That's a word for somebody right now. You're in a storm, you're in a war, you're in a struggle, you're in doubt. The one who controls the wind and the waves, not the wind and the waves. There's joy in prison because Paul had joy in Christ. And so I don't know about you, I need that reminder. It's easy for believers to let circumstances circumstances discourage them and the only cure, as one commentary says for discouragement, is to rivet one's attention on the Lord and rejoice in him, rejoice in him, and so here's two main questions. Okay, because I, I love this first verse. I mean, to write the same things to you is no trouble for me, and and he goes, it's safe for you. Isn't that kind of funny that he's saying it's safe for you? While I'm sitting in jail because of what I'm telling you about. What is he talking about? Safety in regards to what the world tells us is safe? No, he's talking about true doctrinal, biblical, spiritual safety. When God is for us, who can be against us safety? That's what he's talking about. And so let's start to unpack because there's two main questions that are answered in this text. The what and how does Jesus exceed all? Even that boss that's holding you down right now. Even a war that's happening in the Middle East. Even uncertainty about your next step in the future. Y'all with me? He exceeds. Y'all ready to have some fun? What does Jesus exceed? Number one, he exceeds all religions in this text. I'm just gonna tell you straight up, Vintage Church, we're not about religion, we're about relationships. Now we don't think that all religion and the concept of religion is necessarily a bad thing. It's a very dangerous thing when it's not rooted in who God is. But I want you to know that he exceeds all religions. This is true. You do understand that the turmoil that's happening in the world today, the war, the root of it is religion. This is a religious war. And I would submit this, as I engage my friends, my relatives, my neighbors, my coworkers in this city, it's a very similar, not as aggressive, not with loss of life, but there's a religious war happening in the city. You know how many people as I've begun to share that I'm a pastor, what you think about Jesus, this is their default. I'm whatever. And their identity is in their religion, not in Jesus. So what does he say? (laughs) Very seeker-friendly words right here. Paul just wanted everyone to be happy with him at all times. He says, look out for the dogs. Who let the dogs out? I'm sorry, that was, I didn't mean to say that. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. (laughs) Look out. Everybody say, "Look look out. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Who let the dogs out? The enemy let the dogs out. Enemy loves using religion to destroy to discourage, to confuse. It's an old trick the enemy loves using. Um, Let's not forget here that Paul um, is one who understands this people group. What, what Paul's talking about, and who's, talk, who's Paul talking? He's talking about the Judaizers. It's these people, they didn't deny that faith in Jesus was necessary. Their evil was that they were adding to the gospel. Religion, Jesus plus this equals the way of God. And I want you to know Jesus plus nothing equals everything you need. All you need is Jesus. So what they did, these Judaizers, they added the Old Testament circumcision of the flesh and practice of the law as a continued requirement for salvation. Guys, this is probably more dangerous than those who would completely deny Christ. It's the people who use Jesus and add stuff to Jesus as a requirement to following Jesus. And guys, there are false sects, false religions that use Jesus too. It's confusing a lot of people in Pittsburgh, knocking on doors, using the name of Jesus, asking for you to conform. Paul starts out here as a warning. What Paul would say, it's not about the external, but the internal. It's not about mutilation. This is going to the circumcision requirement. Remember, as Paul continued to battle, even the the Jerusalem council, and he would begin to battle about the requirement, are we gonna make Gentiles, right? Right? have to be circumcised in order to follow God and follow the ways of Christ. Isn't it kind of unique? Do you know that the Judaizers referred to Gentiles as dogs? (laughs) Oh, Paul flips the script. No, homies, you're the dogs. Told you, y'all would fire Paul in one week. Some of y'all think, Rob, you're so mean. No, I'm not. Look at Paul. This is not about mutilation. Look at me. It's about regeneration. It's the transforming power of the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Paul talks about it in, in other places. You know, he says this in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 13. Listen to this. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not a great thing if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. He calls these dogs evildoers. And what does he say? Look out! He doesn't say flirt with them, have dialogue with them, tolerate them. He says look out. Sadly, serving the Lord in New Orleans and in Pittsburgh, I know of thousands of people today who have passed away, not ever experiencing the love of Jesus and who are spending eternity in hell because of religion. Look out! Well, I thought you said, Pastor Rob, that religion ain't all bad. It's not. Can I tell y'all what true religion is? Because I I want you to know that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to what? Fulfill the law. To show us the perfect way to religiously live. Live. It's described in verse 3 look at it for we are the circumcision. How's he talking about physical here? He says for we are the circumcision who worship what? By the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence In the flesh. And so, what is true religion? Who are the truly religious? Number one, those who worship by the Spirit of God. Relationship is a requirement. You cannot worship by the spirit, without the spirit. And so to confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, God's word says you will be saved. And when you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, God's spirit takes over. So true religion are those who worship by The Spirit. Number two, those who glory in Christ Jesus. Do you see it in the the text there? It's not just those who worship by the Spirit, but those who glory in Christ Jesus. Those who make much of Christ. This word glory here, which means to boast. Simply put, those who are true are those who proclaim Christ alone. Let one who boasts, boasts in the Lord, if you find a church in this city that's boasting more about themselves than the Lord, they're batting for another team. Don't flirt with it. Oh, but I like their music, who cares? We fail vintage if this city knows more about vintage than Jesus. Those who glory, but number three, those who put no confidence in the flesh, a sign of true religion, church, family, is humility and what we learned last week, servanthood. Not entitlement and rights. We are being... Fed right now and I'm sorry but this newest generation I didn't get a cell phone until you know last year in college I didn't really engage social media but I fear for this next generation that's why I pray for Josh who leads our students I pray for our V Kids ministry because they're being brought into this social media world where they're being wired and taught that everyone should look at me everything should be about me I got to get mine. How many followers can I get? It's not about how many followers I get. It's about who I'm following. That's the truly religious. I told you all I like this scripture. I hadn't even really started preaching. Paul here says that Jesus exceeds all religions number two he exceeds all backgrounds (laughs) this is good news because some of y'all might have walked through this church and be like oh these are some churchy people i mean look at how they sang and worshiped i mean they're really spirit-led i don't think i've ever lifted my hands to jesus Some of y'all are sitting here saying, there ain't no way. Do you understand where I've come from? I'm not worthy. There's no way Jesus could forgive me. There's no way he could overcome. May I submit to you in this text that our God is the God who exceeds all backgrounds. In the name of Jesus, would you show your grace, King Jesus, and save those who are Hamas, who have committed murder, and raise them up, to be the greatest evangelist in this world. He exceeds all accomplishments. Look at it, verse five. It says as to, sorry, verse four through five. Did I say all backgrounds? I think we're there. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Here's his resume. (laughs) Circumcised on the eighth day. I'm gonna explain that. Of the people of Israel, by the way, deeper step, of the tribe of Benjamin, by the way, and just to put a cherry on the top, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, Y'all are saying, I want to follow that pastor. Yeah, he can serve on that team. He's qualified. This is all about where's your confidence. So let's break it down. Paul says, circumcised on the eighth day. Paul would say to you, in regards to accomplishments, um, look, Jesus exceeds even rituals. It's not about ritual. He said, look, I have ritualistically been circumcised, but I was circumcised on the eighth day. So Paul's specific time, the eighth day, stressed that he was not a proselyte or an Ishmaelite. He was a pure-blooded Jew. He wasn't late to the game. He was born into it. Then he says this, of the people of Israel. It's not about ritual. Number two, it's not about race. Anybody thankful that God loves the whole world? It's it's not about race here. He's talking about, as the people of Israel, the Jewish heritage. He comes from the lineage, direct lineage of Abraham. Number three, the tribe of Benjamin. Not about ritual, not about race, not about rank. Not about rank. Tribe of Benjamin came, right? Israel's first king, special place of honor. He's saying, I got the street cred, I got the family crests, and I've tattooed it on my arm. If anyone has reason to boast, it's me. If anyone had a chance To earn their way to God, it's me. He puts this cherry on the top. He says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He would once again in this say, it's not about religion or race again. Hebrew was most likely Paul's native tongue. He did not adopt the Greek pagan customs. He lived purely according to the Old Testament ways. He was a Hebrew son of Hebrew parents. Now, when I think about this, I consider Paul's side of things, but then I also consider the other side of things, which is this reality that you might feel unworthy, like you haven't accomplished. And what I want you to know is this, Jesus is the one who exceeds. You guys have met my dad, his dad, First Wilton to ever follow Jesus. I've told you we were slim shadies back in the day. And today my papa's with King Jesus. Do you know that this week my dad is preaching at a church? My whole family's from South Africa. My dad is preaching at a church that my grandfather preached and pastored at. When he pastored, it was during apartheid. It was pretty much exclusively white. Do you know that today it's pretty much exclusively black? And my dad is preaching on their like 120th anniversary, celebrating the goodness of the gospel. Do you know that that man, first man in our family, ever following Jesus now has great grandkids that follow Jesus? You're here today and you're like, nobody in my family knows Jesus. Start praying for your great grandkids. See, he exceeds all, doesn't he? Next, he exceeds all accomplishments. So he doesn't just talk about background, what he's maybe inherited or been born into. Now he's talking about accomplishments. What does he say in verse 5 and 6? As to the law, a Pharisee. And then he says, As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, what does he say? I tried. Blameless nailed it (laughs) A plus perfect score blameless when he brings up Pharisee here this was the strictest sect they militantly followed the law and they loved adding laws to the law and they militantly followed the laws to the laws to the laws to the law This was a Pharisee. I know a few Pharisees. In regards to zeal, he says, I was a persecutor of the church. Paul was known as the persecutor. Like there was none other that rivaled him. He was the persecutor of this new Jesus movement. So what would that mean? Pick right now in the world today a group of people or a person who is more radically against Christianity than any other. That's who I'm praying Jesus saves. Because in regards to zeal here, right? Paul was the persecutor of the church. Paul would bring the church to him. Acts chapter nine, verse one and two. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, both men and women, he could bring them tied up to Jerusalem. He didn't just go after them. He sent out memos and dragged them to him to be slaughtered. Guys, Paul was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Do you understand that as Paul was killing Christians, he fundamentally thought he was serving God? This is where my heart breaks for the religious in our city that don't have Jesus. There are a lot of genuine religious people in this city who think they're serving God. But you cannot serve God without King Jesus. This is why Paul was so broken when he finally met God. And aren't y'all thankful that Jesus exceeds all successes and failures? That's why, guys, when it comes to accomplishments, men, you better be there Friday morning, six or seven, suck it up and get there. We're gonna go back in to some kingdom heroes, challenge each other. How much is your family worth it? Wake up and be there. We're gonna challenge each other. Men, look at me. Every every man, look at me right now. Your degree, your accomplishment, the money that's in your bank account, all the different accolades that you've got, that's not your true identity. My true identity is I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm a husband. As a follower of Jesus, I'm a dad. As a follower of Jesus, I'm a pastor. Y'all with me? Thank you, God, for exceeding all accomplishments. And then to just summarize everything, y'all ready for the, the cap? He exceeds everything. Paul's like, I know there's probably some smart seminary nerds out there that are breaking apart my sermon right now and telling me that I'm not being expositional enough. And so I might be leaving a few things out there that Jesus exceeds. So just in case some of you guys are gonna go and you know write a blog about how Pastor Rob preached today and I didn't cover all the things, let me just add one more thing to the table so that we cover everything. I want you to know he exceeds everything. Name it. Jesus is greater. You know, the only one that he bows to is the Father. So look at this. We read it earlier. But whatever gain I had, whatever, everything, I now count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That word surpassing worth. Listen, because some of y'all are like, dang, Pastor Rob hates that I like anything in this world. Pastor Rob would want me to hate my career. That's not exactly it at all. Anybody thankful for your career? Anybody thankful for the things that God's blessed you with on this side of heaven? Your home, your relationships, your gifts, this city? Anybody thankful for the city of Pittsburgh and all the things that this city can offer and the blessings? And Look, Paul's not saying all of it's trash. It's all rubbish. The King James, I love King Jimmy every now and then. The King James version would call rubbish. Do you know when you go and break down that word? It's called dung. Boop. What Paul would say is when you consider how great God is, and you look at it, and you're one who's found in Him, one who cherishes Him, one who knows Him, one who experiences Him, and then you start to look at the world, and you're like, boop. I thought my career was awesome, but it's dung. Are y'all with me? If all we saw was this, we might say treasures. Man, that's awesome. Wow, what a car. What a house. Y'all with me? But when you put it up, a couple of weeks ago, I preached with my dad at a men's conference, and I told the pastor of that church, I will not preach after my dad. Nope. It's like slam dunking a ball after Michael Jordan. Ain't nobody going to think I would have gotten up and I would said, whatever my dad said, amen. Because when I think about how great of a pastor and preacher he is, I'm like, dumb. <laughs> Y'all with me? Okay, so when we fix our eyes on Jesus, man, it doesn't mean we don't love the things we have, but compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. The greatest things in this world fall way short of gaining Christ. So here's the final Question, as the band comes up to wrap me up today. How does Jesus exceed everything? How? I love the summary Paul gives. Remember, he's not done. We got a whole bunch more scripture to unpack together as we wrap up Philippians. Much like I think I told y'all 20 minutes ago I was wrapping up this sermon. But I love the little cap here in Philippians chapter three because he doesn't just show what Jesus exceeds, but he now says, how does Jesus exceed? And look at verse nine, right there on the screen behind me. Let's say this first phrase to the comma together. It says, and be found in him. Can y'all say that with me? And be found in him. One more time and be found in him. Have you been found by King Jesus? He loves you so much. He came, he lived, he died, and he defeated sin, death, and hell so that you might have life. He loves life, but he wants to give you life to the fullest. And life to the fullest can never be just life. Life to the fullest is life with Jesus. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna invite you to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. God's word says you will be saved. And be found in him. Then it begins to break down. I wish I had another sermon to preach this, but I'm gonna try and summarize it. It breaks down the point and the process of salvation. First of all, in verse nine, it talks about justification by Jesus, his righteousness and our faith. It says not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. I just told you, you can't earn it. If anyone had a chance to earn it, Paul says, it was me, you can't. The gospel is you can't, but Jesus did. Because Jesus did, now you can. How do we get this? Justification by Jesus. But that which comes through faith. Thereby say faith. Faith in Christ. Then it transitions into sanctification in Jesus. Not just justification by Jesus, but sanctification in Jesus. Have you been saved and are you being saved? Are you conforming into who Jesus is? Look at it in verse 10, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him. This is relationship to be with him. And this takes hard work this takes men you getting up to pray with men on a friday morning at 6 a.m you better be there that i may know him and the power of his resurrection says and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death there is a focus on relationship on power on sacrifice here overcoming resistance standing firm in the faith participation in dying daily to ourselves so that Christ might live and then there's a cherry on the top where it talks about not just justification by Jesus sanctification in Jesus but glorification with Jesus jesus anyone thankful that jesus has got us and he's got this in verse 11 it says that by any means possible i may attain the resurrection from the dead there is hope that yes there might be an end but i'll be with jesus for all time and for all eternity which inspires drive. We have one life to live, and our days are numbered, but he gave these days to us as a stewardship so that we might be found in him and that we might have a surpassing worth of knowing him above all, above all. So church, stand to your feet. We're gonna sing a song that's called What a beautiful name. This Jesus, this Jesus loves loves you. He 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 loves you. And this Jesus exceeds. So whatever it is, lay it. In this room are workaholics. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Some of you are depressed right now. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Some of you have sin that you cannot overcome right now. Lay it at the foot of Jesus. Some of you have concerns about the next step in the future. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. For He is the one who exceeds all. He exceeds everything. I encourage you to come and maybe pray down front. Pray with a husband, wife, pray with a friend as we sing to the one who exceeds. And if you've given your life to Jesus today, come and talk with me, I'll be down front here. I'd love to celebrate with you. Lord Jesus, as we declare together, what a beautiful name. We thank you for being the one